is Jimmy Scroggins. I'm the lead pastor at Family Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. Are you tired of going to conferences, reading books, and listening to speakers who tell you how to do church when you know that you cannot do what they are recommending? You've come to the right place on our podcast. We're going to give you principles, strategies, and ideas that you can implement right now with the resources you have at your church because this is church for the rest of us. Welcome back to the Church for the Rest of Us podcast. This is Jimmy Scroggins here again with Steve Wright and Leslie Bennett. We all serve together here at Family Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. Today we're going to continue unpacking for you, our listeners, the concept of building a new church culture, not new church programs. In previous episodes, we talked about messaging. We talked about the importance of pastors preaching to lead. We also advocated more and more meetings. Some of you guys don't like meetings. We actually think you should probably have more, but today we're going to talk about metrics. How do we measure the things that help us build a great church culture? Steve? Well, metrics are really important because obviously they help us set trajectory of where our church is going, and so they're really important. Now, Jimmy, you and I live here in South Florida, and it just so happened by God's grace that you and I actually also live in the same subdivision. Yeah, that's right. Neighborhood. Now, what's what's the name of our subdivision? Well, the name of our subdivision officially on the sign is Palm Beach Plantation, but we have a better name. Yeah. What's the name of it? Well, Everybody in our church calls it the pastor's plantation because several of our pastors live in there, not just Steve, now there's even more. Now, something happens every January near our home, right? Like right oh, across, man. we have the biggest fair in all of the world, right? Well, at least all of Palm Beach County. It's yeah, the Palm Beach County Fair. fair. Now, yeah, your, your, your <laughs> kids, fair. where you live, your kids think that they get to go to the fair every night because you get to hear all the sounds. You can that's smell right. the popcorn. It's really awesome. You can literally see the rides from my house. That's true. Well, one of the things, I, I don't know if you guys grew up in, in seeing this, but one of the things that I loved as a kid was the, the little wacky world that they had. And, you know, you'd walk through the wacky world. They had all of these crazy little things. But one of the things, you'd come out at the end, and there was always the distorted mirror and right you'd stand in front of the distorted mirror and here i was this little short skinny kid right and now i was six foot tall and you know my head was this big and you know it was just it was really cool but you'd see this distorted view well a lot of churches kind of have this a similar distorted view all right and so they the things that they are measuring have a tendency to maybe look a little better, maybe make some look a little taller. But the truth of the matter is when you dig down, what they're actually looking at may not actually be what the, the numbers are. Because there's a tendency for us to all think that we're winning, and we actually may not be winning. And our metrics need to, to shape, need to be shaped by a regional vision of where our churches are located. And we need to look through the lens of lostness in our communities. That's so true. I was thinking about, you know, just the tendency of churches to always measure programming because it's really Mm -hmm. easy to look at the programs that we're running. And I mean, I haven't been on staff as long as I've been going to church here. Right. And so I've been in this church as I've seen programs come and go. And we've talked before about the singing Christmas tree. Right. It was this huge Broadway 
style production. And, and well done. Yeah. And so we used to count how many people came to the singing Christmas tree, how many professions of faith did right. we have at the Christmas tree. Checking a box or on a card a, or whatever. Yeah, a card to check or whatever. I mean, we had Wednesday night dinners like most Southern yeah. Baptist churches. We had Awanas programs. Hallelujah. Um, Bring those back. Of course, we had our, our <laughs> chapel by the lake. <laughs> yeah. And so we just see how when churches are focused on their programs, we're just so tempted to keep building bigger and better programs. And I think we've talked in previous episodes, or you all have, about the singing Christmas tree and how right. that began to happen. And so we really had to make a shift in our focus, and I think it's been a really healthy shift that we've right. made. Uh, instead of focusing on attractional methods and programs, um, making our measurements more outward focused, mm -hmm. more mission-driven right. Um, we re we often talk about how we live in a place where the majority of the people are far from God. They're irreligious right. and far from God. Yes. 96% of the people mm -hmm. that live near you in the Palm Beach Plantation or near plantation. me, Pastor's Plantation, 96% of them. Right, you know, in Boynton Beach where you live? Yeah, they're far from God. Um, there's a lot of people, West Palm Beach, number one, most unchurched and even never churched right. place which I think is foreign. I'm not from the South, but even for me growing up, most people attended some kind of church at some point in their life. So yeah. to think that we're surrounded by people who have never. literally never been to church. So how do we change our metrics or how do we look at our metrics in a way that helps us shape culture and advance mission? And that really is the question. Well, let's be honest. There are some metrics that every church, at least in, in our culture, in America today, in a free and prosperous America, we will always look at three things. We're always going to look at giving because that's how our ministry is funded. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to look at attendance, how many people are showing up to our worship gatherings or our programs. And we're going to look at baptisms, how many people are getting in the water and being baptized. And for us in the Baptist tradition, you know, we, we really mark, we practice believers baptism by immersion. And so it's a really great marker for us to help, you know, who actually chooses to get into the water to submit to baptism uh, by immersion. And we always do it after someone becomes a believer. So we do a lot of older children or teenagers or adults of all of all life stages. And so giving attendance and baptisms are kind of like the dashboard on your car. Mm -hmm. uh, when, you're, when you're looking at the dashboard on your car, what are you looking at? Where are you looking at how much gas do I have? How fast am I going? What are my RPMs? Is the oil light on? But it's always right there in front of you. And that's the way these three metrics are in a church. And some people kind of try to devalue and say, oh, all you guys care about is nickels and noses. But I would say it's not all we care about, but we do care about it because these are measures of discipleship. And we didn't even come up with all of this. If you actually read the New Testament, they too were counting nickels and noses. Paul said one of the ways that the Corinthians were going to show themselves to be faithful disciples would be for them to give to the offering that he was collecting for sister churches. And in the book of Acts, when Luke writes down about the amazing things that were happening at Pentecost and in subsequent weeks in the new church in Jerusalem. How does he, how does he measure that? They actually had a number. Right. They actually have yeah. numbers. Yeah. And the, the point of Luke using these large numbers, you know, 3,000, 5,000, they was to show you the great power of the gospel and the Holy Spirit. Well, and they so, were una, una, unapologetic about it. Yeah. And so that's, so we don't apologize either. I mean, this are, these are things that we measure, but our number one goal is not to have more money or more bodies in the room. Our number one goal is to see more people 
following Jesus as his disciples. We want more and better disciples of Jesus. And so our means are both a means to uh, seeing more disciples, and they're a byproduct of seeing more disciples. So our, our our metrics are a means, the things we're measuring are a means to assembling and building our culture, but they're also a byproduct of strong culture. So for instance, when you teach a new believer to start giving and being generous, you're not just trying to build the culture of generosity, although you are building that. As you build better disciples, they will become more generous. So it's both a means to discipleship and a byproduct of discipleship. Same with attendance. Because, you know, when we look at giving, you're not just looking at the overall number. That's right. We also look at things like new givers. Um, Exactly. It doesn't matter how much they're giving. We're not, you know, trying to judge that. We're just trying to look at our new people getting in the game. Generosity. Are they being faithful to do you know, what really God asks us to do. Yeah, good point, Leslie, because we do that at Family Church. And I would recommend all of our church for the rest of us listeners would consider this in your church if you're not already doing it. And churches of any size can do this because all of us keep records because we have to for tax purposes and so forth. So if you're keeping records, you could measure how many total givers do you have? Do you have a hundred different giving units or families or people giving this year or a thousand or however many. And then you can measure different categories are people giving more. So, Hey, you know, last year we had, uh, you know, uh, 127 total people that gave to our church perhaps. And then next year, maybe we could have 150. Well, that's good discipleship because you have, you know, 23 more people that are following Christ and demonstrating that by giving money. But then you can also measure, different categories of people who give different amounts. So like at our church, we measure how many people give over $40,000 a year. And just so we're clear, we're church for the rest of us. We don't have very many. That's I wish right. we had more. It's a small number. Right? Yeah. How many people give between 20 and 40? How many people give between 10 and 20, 5 and 10, 1 and 5, and then less than 1? And we're measuring, we're trying to go up in every category as a means to building culture and as a byproduct of culture. And we're looking at regularity and faithfulness of Giving And one of the reasons, Steve, that you've really helped us with online giving mm-hmm. is online giving helps us develop regularity and faithfulness in our people. It's a true measure of buy-in and discipleship. And then not only giving, but you have attendance. And some people just say, oh, you're just an attractional model. And we like to, you know, we like to bash the attractional model. But the thing of it is, every church is some kind of an attractional model. <laughs> All right, right. Detractional. No, that's right. You could be, you could be, you know, Mount, Mount Pitskin number two out in, you know, Bum Holler, Kentucky is still have a little sign out in front of their church saying, you know, Fish Fry Friday. Come on. That's an attractional model. Right. You're trying to get people to come. And so we want to get more people. When we get more people, we have the opportunity to make more disciples. As we make more disciples, we get more people. It's the way... That that it works, and so we're going to track we're going to track attendance. And in our church, we're tracking attendance, you know, per campus. We're tracking it uh, per service. We're tracking it in small groups. How many kids do we have? How many people came to our special events, like our camps or our retreats? All of these are measures that are telling us buy-in and how we're doing with all of that. And then we also uh, measure baptism. And the reason we measure baptism is because. Baptism is the biblical measure of a new disciple. Mm -hmm. The Bible, if you read the New Testament, they never count someone as a disciple or a believer in Jesus until after they were baptized. And the point at which they are baptized is the point they start counting them. And so baptism is the entry point. And that's why at Family Church, like, we don't do spontaneous baptisms. I know some of you guys do. I'm not saying whether you should or shouldn't, but we don't. And the reason for that is when we baptize somebody, we tie baptism to church membership. So we only baptize people who are joining family church. And 
We also do a, a meeting with every person that's being baptized so we can hear their story, so we can tell their story to the church or they can tell it to the church in various ways. And we don't even count how many people made professions of faith. We count to us the profession of faith is the baptism. Right. So until we get you in the water, we're not counting you because you're just talking about it until you actually engage in the first step of obedience. Right. And, you know, more than just trying to get people in the water to get them wet, you know, we're actually wanting to produce disciples that yes, produce exactly. new disciples. Yes. And so this is a process for us. And, you know, this is really where common language comes into play. You know, when you think about the metrics that we have, every one of them are like actually tied to uh, missional components that we have in our church. And so, you know, obviously we do measure giving because, you know what, we're, we're going to have to have more events. We're going to have to plant more churches. You know, it would be in a perfect world where all of this was absolutely free. It would just be a wonderful thing. But to, to plant a Russian-speaking church down here to reach 400,000 speaking, it, it right. you just can't do it for free. That's right. And so, you know, all of these things are tied. And so when you look at attendance, well, attendance is a very important metric to us because we want to invite every person that comes to our church to join the mission of Jesus. Yes. And so attendance is important. First Connection, this is a place where we... Uh, we'll talk about this more in our next episode. It's our membership class. This is our membership class, but it allows us to create a funnel where we have meaningful conversations to direct people to Christ and to church membership. Baptisms, as you just said, that's always uh, key for us. Groups, leadership rally, all of these are really important metrics for us and things that we measure uh, as we monitor the dashboard uh, family church because we want to make disciples that are making more disciples and we want to plant churches that are planting more churches. And the bottom line, what we're after at Family Church is really not addition, it's multiplication. And so we have to look at these metrics in a new light. Yeah, and one of the things that happens when you're going to provide leadership in a church of any size, you know, every one of our church for the rest of us listeners has to take this to heart. Max Dupree wrote a book called Leadership is an Art, and he said the first responsibility of a leader is to define reality. And on our team, they hear me repeat that all the time because our job is to tell the people of our church where we really are in terms of uh, pursuing the mission of Jesus, the Great Commission in our region. And the metrics help us to do this. But the metrics can become idols. We don't want to worship our metrics. And also, we don't really need to compare our metrics to somebody else because comparison is the companion to idolatry. Write that down and tweet it. That's That's gold, (laughs) right? That's what, what leads us into it. But in America, anyway, where we are prosperous and free... Um, we should have an opportunity to reach more people. We should have right. an opportunity to disciple people. And these metrics tell us how we're doing. Look, if you are a church for the rest of us listener and you are a pastor of a house church in Egypt under the thumb of the Muslim Brotherhood, you should not be using the same metrics that we're using in it's West Palm Beach. Picture. Whole different picture. Right. But for us and where we are in our context, and most of our listeners are in similar contexts, we should see our metrics as very viable just because they tell us how we're doing. And even for us, there are different times and seasons in our church where we have special emphasis on different things that we measure. We try to measure prayer, and we'll talk a little bit more how we do that. We try to measure from time to time gospel conversations. How many gospel conversations are we having on our staff, on our team, or among our entire congregation? And we want to give people tools to see if they're getting out there and using them. And the only way we know to see if these tools are being used is we have to measure our 
people actually using them. So Leslie, you know, your team, you direct our whole communications team and you have a math, you are in charge of our messaging as a church, but your team has helped us create some tools and to put them out to measure prayer and gospel conversations. And I'm sure some of our listeners are thinking, how in the world would you measure prayer? So why don't you tell our listeners about how you do that? Well, it's not just my idea. It was all of our ideas. And as we've developed goes, the, not taking credit. the simple <laughs> a simple way to share the gospel, our three-circle tool that we've shared before, um, we've trained our church to use that tool. And then we've put an emphasis on, are they actually getting out there and using the tool? So we did a, a gospel challenge, we called it. Right. And so first we put out some prayer cards and we asked everybody to fill out three names of people that they know that are far from God, who right. they would commit to praying for. So we had those right. praying for cards out and we created a simple board and we're going to put this in the show notes. We'll put the tools in there. We'll put some of the pictures of the way that yeah, that'll we displayed be helpful, yeah. those at each of our campuses. So we had a display board at each campus um, with the praying for cards. And so those were going mm-hmm. up and the whole church could see, okay, people are committing it's a visual, to prayer. Yeah, right. a visual you know, depiction of these people or we're actually praying for these people. And just yeah. so our listeners here, this church for the rest of us, I don't know what you have in mind when you're hearing this. I'm telling you, it is literally a clothesline right. with prayer cards with names written on it clipped to it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we it's simple, this, but it's, it's ingenious. It, it, well, it's very effective. I'm sorry, Leslie. Yeah. Go no, ahead. No, that's fine. So we had those cards up, and then after that, we presented a slightly different, you know, similar design, but different color card that said Gospel Conversation and had a conversation bubble on it. And people were to write the names of someone that they had a gospel conversation with. Right. And the gospel conversation cards started going up at all of our campuses in a similar but yet a different way because each of our campuses are unique and they have a different setting and a different feel. So we let them have some freedom on how they display right. those right. cards. Yeah. And that was a lot of fun to see how everybody put it together slightly differently, but all communicating the same message, all emphasizing this idea of getting out and being the church out there. And then we tallied up how many names we had, and we ended up having over 1,500 gospel conversations. Just over, what, a couple of months, right? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. really over several weeks. So that was phenomenal that our people actually wrote down and prayed, and then they they prayed and actually put those on display. Right. So that was really, really And then we kind incredible. of presented that in another, in a visual way again at our leadership rally and celebrated that all together. Our leadership rally is where we gather all of our campuses together and at one, you know, one night so we can cast vision and have that same picture presented right. to everybody at the same time. Well, you think about these tools. I mean, tools are one thing, but teaching people how to use these tools is really a different story. And so what we try to use our leader rally. So, you know, leader rally is another metric that we have. We yeah. really want to push. Hey, tell our people tell to them what to, our leader rally is. Yeah. Leader rally is something that we have uh, twice a year and we have one in August. We have one in January. And basically this is where we invite all of our leaders from all of our campuses. And we'll have probably this year, 1200 people come to our leader rally. And, and a lot of times we invite people who are thinking about, you know, jumping in and serving, you know, that will come as well. And so you have all of these languages, all of these people here, and we divide our leader rally up into two sections. We have the big room, which is more motivational, mm-hmm. and then we break out by campuses. And that's where our campus pastors train our lay people, our church members to to use the tools. And so we would take something like the the prayer cards that Leslie's talking about. And we could, you know, Jimmy's up there preaching prayer, 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 prayer. And our people are like, yeah, we need to pray more. Right, well, then right. they would go to the breakout and then they would get the card that Leslie's talking about that maybe one of the ones that you created one time had the four circles. And so they, we would say, okay, think of someone that you know 
uh, to pray for that is a neighbor. Mm -hmm. Think of somebody that you know that you could pray for that is a family member. Mm -hmm. Think of someone that you could pray for that's like that Saul of Tarsus, the person that there's no, yeah, there's no possible way that this person would ever repent and believe the gospel, write their name down and then write down a work associate. And so now instead of it just being theoretical, it's actually something, it's a tool that they can take and use that has uh, meaning because these are people and then you think about it from the terms of, you know, we're talking about gospel conversations and some of our people, you know, are like, you know, Paul, the apostle, they're ready to go do it like that night. Right. And then some of our people break out in hives. They're like, oh my goodness, you a know, lot of them, a yeah. lot of them, the majority, like my wife, I mean, there's right. so many, but this Drew's is a way wife, that under you, the bus on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> okay. that Tina would break out in hives. She yeah, would not want no to go doubt. with me. And, and, but, but the thing is, so now there is an avenue for people, no matter where they are on the spectrum evangelistically to participate in what the church is doing. And so the leader rally is an important metric for us because what we're actually trying to do is help our campus pastors. So they'll set attendance goals to try to get their people there, but we aren't simply trying to fill the room. We want to invite believers, those in our church to join the mission of Jesus to make disciples. So our leader rally allows us to cast a vision. That's what we do in the big room. And then we're able to train believers with simple, biblical, and reproducible tools. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're really fighting against the current on this one right. because we're trying to get people to do things that they would not naturally do. But guess what? That's leadership. Okay? <laughs> if people were going to naturally Welcome do it with our world, you, you wouldn't really need a leader to help you to do it. But that's what God's called us to do. And so we want to measure the impact we're having on the world around us. We want to give people the right tools and we want to remind them to use the tools. And part of the accountability structure and the metrics is reminding people to use the tools. Do we have time for my favorite story about using the right tool? Oh, this story is funny. Go ahead and tell us the story. I don't know if I've ever told you before. So years and years ago, when I was a stay-at-home mom, we decided to redo our flooring. So while my husband was at work, I decided I'd get started on the project. Why wait on him? Why wait on him? You had nothing to do with the stay-at-home mom. You're doing nothing anyway all day, right? So I got the carpet successfully out of the room, and then there's these like little tack boards, right, that hold the carpet, and they're actually cement or nailed into the cement and so you have to get that up before you can put the new flooring down and so i got this little crowbar and i got my hammer it actually has a pink handle oh cool so yeah i got my pink barbie hammer my pink hammer and (laughs) i was you know pounding at at those nails and every single nail was like you know just pound 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 yeah couldn't get it pound then finally pop out right <laughs> and i'm just i mean hours yeah. on my hands and knees my back is hurting me but you're I'm determined thinking, like this cannot she's be not done. a quitter full this of perseverance be done. about that time my dad called and i so i told him what i was doing and i told him what was going on and he said well what kind of hammer are you using and i said just a hammer like a hammer a hammer <laughs> <laughs> Pound mallet, and I'm telling you, it was just bam, bam, bam. Those made all nails the di- were ten minutes right later. You're done. Ten minutes done. later, I was done. So tools that are was my tools. Lesson on get the right tool. The right tool. So obviously, in in ministry, we we don't need to have every tool. We don't have to have every biblical understanding to be used of God. But we we do need to give the people in our church the right tools. Another tool that has been incredibly effective for us that may be our number one metric is our first connection class. Mm -hmm. Now, this is a place where we point 
everyone to, that starts attending our church. So it doesn't matter if someone's on our worship team. It doesn't matter if someone's a greeter at the front door. It doesn't matter if they're in the uh, student ministry, wherever they are, wherever they serve, whatever their role, they know their number one job on our church is to get people to the first connection classes. So all of our people are trying to push people to first connection. And it's uh, happens on the first Sunday of every month on all of our campuses. And this is another go-to tool for us in our tool belt and we set attendance goals for all of our campus because we believe in this so strongly. Jimmy, talk to us a little bit more about uh, our first connection and why it's so important. Well, I'll tell you what us. I'm going to do, Steve. This is such an important metric to us. Again, our number one metric at Family Church is how many people can we get to first connection? And everybody knows it. But our time is coming to an end. We are going to actually do an entire episode on first connection. And when we do, I'm going to bring in Bev Bonner, right. who's one of the top leaders in our church, as Leslie is, and she's going to come in and she is going to talk to us about First Connection because she's the First Connection guru at Family Church. And she's going to talk about how we have built a funnel to get people literally from our community, from our neighborhoods, into the parking lot, into the pews, into a small group, into this First Connection class so that we can have gospel conversations with all of these people. And we're doing it with hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people every year. And I want to, I can't wait to unpack this for church for the rest of us listeners. So this is really a perfect time for us to end this episode and segue into our final episode in this series where we're going to talk about membership and first connection. So I hope you'll visit familychurchnetwork.com and join this conversation about building a new church culture, not just new church programs. And we'd love to hear how your metrics at your church are shaping the culture in your church. And before we sign off, let me just remind you, our conference is coming up and we want you and your team to come March the 1st. Check it out, sharperconference.com. You don't want to miss it. We've been calling people. We are going to have hundreds and hundreds of pastors from around the nation join us. And so I'm going to go ahead and sign off from our construction site where you hear <laughs> drilling and hammering during a podcast. So thank you guys for listening. We'll look for you next time as we talk about membership. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins or check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog. We want your feedback on today's podcast. Plus, we want to know what you are doing because we want to learn from you too. Hey, until next time, this is Jimmy Scroggins and you've been listening to Church for the Rest of Us.